0: Back for one last time to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter number five. And we're we've been going through these fruits of the Spirit. Tonight is the last of those, and I'm going to tell you something. We end on a very good one, and it's this matter of temperance. Now, a lot of times people don't understand certain words or concepts in the Word of God. And it's my desire tonight as a pastor, as a teacher, to try to help uh, you understand the way God would have us understand what this matter of temperance is is, and notice again our verse we've used for now a couple months, Galatians 5, verse 22 and verse 23. Let's look at that verse again, or verses. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance against such there is no law. So tonight we come to this last of this, uh, these four of the Spirit. And of course, I want you to understand as we get started tonight that a lot of the problems that people have in life are related to the fact that they have a lack of temperance, a lack of temperance. People feel in their lives sometimes that their life is spinning out of control, that uh, things are out of uh, uh, their control. There's pressures in life. Circumstances seem to be uh, mounting, insurmountable sometimes, uh, things are overwhelming, and uh, people are like, well, what do I do when things get this way? How do I handle some of these things that, that, that I'm going through, all these struggles in my life? And so people, they're, they're wanting to turn somewhere to find answers to some of these things because they're overwhelmed. So some people, they actually turn to self-helps. Uh, they might try to find something on their own that Maybe they can read or something that uh, they, can, they can do on their own to, to help them get through these uh, times of pressure and things that are overwhelming in their lives. Some people will turn to support groups and they might find some other people that are going through something very similar to what they're going through and they might sit in on some of those things and, and listen to other people and maybe share some things. And other people, and I will use this word tonight, other people will turn to religion. Now, again, when we think about this, religion is uh, is a term that can be used in many different ways. To me, when I think of religion, I think of the teachings of the Word of God. But oftentimes, people turn to all kinds of religious things. But what people, whether they're turning to self-helps or whether they're turning to support groups or whether they turn to some form of religion, what people don't under really understand is, is that Uh, temperance or self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And we've got to understand that tonight as we get into this study tonight on temperance, that the Spirit's guidance, and we need that in our lives. We need God by His Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth, to direct our lives. And so tonight, as we think about the Holy Spirit's guidance, it's necessary if we are to possess the strength to handle life's challenges. I don't know about you, but I can't deal with life's challenges on my own. As oftentimes, they're just they're beyond my control. Anybody else ever feel that way? Uh, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I'm not, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. Sometimes it's, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this day. And I need the Holy Spirit in my life, and you need the Holy Spirit in your life to help us to have the strength to handle life's challenges. So tonight, I want to share with you some aspects of this very important fruit of the Spirit. And I want you to start this way tonight with this matter of temperance defined. Let's define what temperance is. Now, if we're going to do that, we have to do it in a biblical sense. All right. So when we find this matter of defining temperance, notice, first of all, that it is defined as discretion. The dictionary actually defines temperance as self-control, Or discretion. But look what the Bible says when you think about temperance and discretion in Proverbs chapter 3. The writer writes, My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so shall they be. What's that next word? So shall they be what? Life. Now watch this under thy soul and grace to thy neck then shalt thou walk in thy way safely and thy foot shall not stumble now what he's saying here is that we need God's holy spirit we need the word of God in our lives to help us to give us wisdom to give us discretion he says and if we allow the spirit to work in our lives he says the Holy Spirit will he will be life unto our soul and grace unto our neck. In other words, a temperate person tonight, and that's what we're talking about here, this fruit of the Spirit, someone that is temperate is somebody that knows what is best. Here's the key. They know what is best, and they have the self-control to act on that knowledge. Okay, So in other words, I know what's best for my life because I see it in the Word of God, But listen, to know it and to do it are two different things. The Bible says, don't just be a hearer of the word. To him that knoweth to do good and him to do it not, to him it is sin. So look, we have to have this matter of having knowledge of what is best, but then we need to act upon that knowledge. So when you think about temperance, it's defined as discretion, but it's also defined as discipline. Now this is a word that uh, actually is not a bad word. A lot of times people hear the word discipline and they think negative thoughts. I think all of us need some discipline in our lives. Uh, Listen, what's the opposite of discipline? Yeah, chaos, right? We need to have some discipline in our lives. Look how Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians. He's writing to a young body of believers that are struggling in the flesh in the book of 1 Corinthians. The letter there to the church in Corinth. And notice what he writes in chapter 9. Think about discipline as I read these words. He says, "Know ye not that they which run in a race that they run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery, notice here is the Bible word, is temperate in all things. See, see as." as we're disciplined, as we're striving for the mastery, he says we are temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we do it to obtain an incorruptible. Paul says his own testimony, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, that I myself should be a castaway. Now, how many of you ever watched the Olympics? Yeah, you watch those Olympic uh, events, and, and oftentimes there's so many of them, you can't hardly keep up with it, but you watch those Olympians. And one thing I've noticed about all of them is that Olympians' lives are characterized by self-control. I mean, you look at them, there's not an ounce of fat on them. I mean, they are so conditioned. Uh, you know, the I forget what they call it. Somebody might know what it's called, where they're on skis, and they have to ski like uh, great distances, and then they pull out the rifle, and they have to shoot. What is that called? Anybody know? Nobody knows? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? What is it? Ski decathlon, maybe that's what it is. I know there's a bunch of different events that they do. But you talk about discipline. I mean, they are disciplined to be able to ski, and they're disciplined to be able to stop and, and to, to shoot the gun, and they only have so many shots. And I mean, you, you think about athletes. Listen, discipline is something that characterizes their lives, self-control. There's no gold medal for an athlete that does not have self-control. You don't see somebody... That's not discipline standing on the podium. It's the people that have conditioned themselves, that have had control in life. There's no accomplishment in life without the fruit of temperance. Now, here's an illustration to help you understand this because we live in a day where, I don't know how well, if you're familiar with this, but I would just call it humanism. Is everybody, everybody familiar with that? In other words, the philosophies of the day instead of them being Christiocentric, in other words, revolving around the word of God and around the Lord himself, it's all based on man, okay? So there are a lot of secular humanists today, and be honest with you, you probably could start to think of some right away, but they have some very ridiculous philosophies about discipline. One of those examples, this is a true story, one of those secular humanists actually is a proponent of this, that children should be permitted to choose their own religious opinions when they come to the age of discretion. In other words, just let children decide whatever they want. You know, you don't point them in a direction. You don't train them up. You just kinda let them do whatever they want. Now, listen, those of us that know the Lord, that know how God works and know what God wants for us and how to raise our children, I mean, this is something that to me is ludicrous because we all know what the Bible says that if you leave a child to himself, all right? But there was a man by the name of Coolridge. And he met one of these secular humanists that kind of had this opinion about just allowing children to go and let them decide on their own. And, and so he wanted to try to help this man who shared that strange, ridiculous philosophy. And so he asked the man to come to his house to see his garden. And so the man agreed. He says, "Sure, I'd love to come by." So when the guy came to his home, he took him to the garden, and uh, as he gets to the garden, there were only weeds growing. He gets there and I mean it's it's tall, it's just weeds as far as you could see. That's all that there was in this garden. And the man was kind of surprised and he says, "This is not a garden." He says, "There's nothing here but weeds." And Coolidge responded to the man. He says, well, it's because I did not wish to infringe upon the liberty of the garden in any way. I was just giving the garden a chance to express itself and choose its own production. I think he proved his point to that man. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But listen, if Christians express their lives, here, listen, in their own way, then think about this. They will have marriages, they'll have families, they'll have careers that are a mess. That's the problem with the world today, is we're not guided by the Word of God. We don't have the fruit of the Spirit. We're living lives guided by the flesh, and that's why our our families, our marriages, our careers, our lives are a mess, because we are expressing our lives in our own way. If we choose to be disciplined by the grace of God and nurtured by the Holy Spirit of God, then this fruit of temperance, it's going to flow from our lives. Then we will be characterized by these two words, balance and self-control. That's what we need in our lives. That's what this world needs is if they're going to see Christians We have to be Christians that are temperate in all things. We have to be balanced in our Christian life, and we need self-control in our lives. And so we see the Bible gives us this matter of temperance, the fruit of temperance, defined that it's discretion and it's discipline. But then notice, secondly, when we look in the Word of God, temperance is displayed. Now, temperance is displayed in three ways. Notice the first one tonight is it's displayed as a disciplined physical life. A disciplined physical life. Uh, Paul said again, I'll, I'll remind you of that verse that I just read a minute ago in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's what he says again. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. In other words, Paul was as we should be. I believe this with all my heart. A person that is filled with the Holy Spirit of God has the power to say to things, no. Let me, let's practice that tonight. No. Come on, you can do better than that. No. See, oftentimes, you know, that, that bag of chips that you're going to see tonight when you get home, you're just going to say, yeah, that, that bottle of soda that you, that you just your flesh is just dying to have, you're going to say, no, that next cup of coffee. No. Oh, yes, yeah, see, I thought I'd get everybody there, but tried to set you up tonight, but you know, your sins, your sins have just overcome you, you know there's no temperance there in your life. But listen, we have to understand that, as God has given us His spirit and the power, we can say no to things, but throughout history. Listen, I could have given you story after story tonight that people through lust and people through alcohol and people through drugs and people through hatred, listen, men and women throughout history have done some unthinkable things all because the flesh controls them rather than the spirit. See, they're living their lives in the flesh instead of in the spirit. Now, how many of you remember the commentator Dan Rather? Remember Dan? Listen to what he says. News commentator Dan Rather has a good way of keeping his professional objective always in mind. He says he looks often at a question he's written on three slips of paper. He keeps one in his billfold, one in his pocket, and one on his desk. The probing reminder asks this question, is what you are doing now helpful to the broadcast? You're not, a, you're not a news reporter. You're a Christian. And the question to you tonight from Dan Rather is, is what you are doing now, is it helping your life as a Christian? See, listen, we've got to have disciplined physical life. Temperance is a display of a life physically. That is discipline. But then notice letter B. Temperance is displayed as a disciplined speech. Now, not only a physical life, but it's also a disciplined speech. Now, listen, I know all of us from time to time. This thing right here gets us into trouble. You know, these two lips and that thing inside of our mouth. Read what the book of James, what he says about that, that little thing called a tongue. I mean, it's a wicked part of your body. And oftentimes, it's, listen, it's out of control. You know, it's like a fire. And oftentimes, look, God gave you two lips, and He wants you to oftentimes learn how to keep them closed. So many times we struggle with this in this matter of speech. Temperance helps us to know what to say and to refrain from things that we are saying. Let me give you four examples of this tonight, having a disciplined or a temperate speech tonight, four areas that Christians should avoid, all right? The first one is lying. Now, a lot of times, you know, we, we're so good at categorizing things. I don't even know where this got started many, many years ago. They say, oh, it's just a little white lie, you know? Listen, you can categorize it all you want. A lie is a lie. A sin is a sin. See, one thing that you read, it's kind of interesting Uh, In the book of Revelation, God gives a list of all these things, and right in that list, the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and all liars. And it's amazing that that is in that list with murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers. God, God doesn't like liars. Look what the Bible says here in Ephesians 4, verse 25, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. Listen, there's nothing like the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know what happens when you lie? you got to tell another one to cover that one up. And you tell another lie to cover that one up, and then you got to tell another lie before long. You're so deep, you don't even know how to get out of it. The best thing to do is just tell the truth. See, this disciplined speech. Here's another area that should help us as Christians. We should avoid foul language. Foul language shouldn't be a part of a Christian's life. Now listen, I'm I'm not proud. Before I got saved, I I had some emissions, some foul emissions that came out of my mouth. I didn't know better told this before, we were, we were at uh, someone's house, there was a bunch of couples sitting there, a bunch of young couples, at one time I used to be young, and we were sitting there with other young couples, and we were talking, and this couple, this guy would say something, this person would say something, and so I was sitting there, you know, and I just said something too, and everybody started laughing, and I looked at my wife, and I said, what are they laughing at? And she whispered in my ear. she goes, you can't say that, Christians, don't say that, and I said, say what? And she whispered in my ear what I said. Listen, I'm honest with you tonight. I was like, is that a bad word? Because I grew up talking that way. I didn't know better. Now, what's, what was sad was they all laughed. See, Christians shouldn't have foul things coming out of our mouths. You know, there, there shouldn't be bitter and sweet coming out of the same fountain. Our language. Look at this verse in Ephesians 4. Let no, you ought to underline that or circle that word. Remember we, we said sometimes we just have to say no. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But here's what can come out, that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So here's look, you ever been around a Christian that'll say something and then they realize what they did and they'll say something like this, oh, where'd that come from? I don't know where that came from. I'll tell you where it came from. According to the Bible, it came from right there. Because out of the heart comes the issues of life. Garbage in, garbage out. What are you putting into your life? If you're filled with the fruit of the Spirit, you're not going to have foul language coming out of your mouth. How about another area as Christians we should avoid is insults. Boy, a lot of times we, we're really bad about insulting other people. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. Be careful about insulting people. Listen, if nothing else, remember the principle of sowing and reaping. We have to respect people. Christians don't go around insulting other people. It's something that we should avoid. And the last one is slander. I mean, if we're going to be tempered in all things, slandering people, Proverbs 10, 18, he that hideth hatred with his lying lips, and he that uh, uttereth a slander is a what? A fool. Be careful about slandering other people. See, spiritual people are not people known for running off at the mouth. I mean, you hear people uh, that are running off the mouth, and listen, it doesn't take a scientist to figure out that person's probably not a spiritual person, because spiritual people don't lie, they don't have foul language, they don't insult, they don't slander, they use their speech for that which is good, and the Bible word is edify, that means to build up. Listen, the world and the devil and the flesh, they're tearing down. We don't have to help. We need to build people up. We need to help people. Well, how do we do that? With the right kind of speech, disciplined speech. See, listen, when you think of being temperate and temperate being displayed in our lives, there's got to be a discipline, a discipline in our physical life. There's got to be a discipline in our speech. How about this one? A discipline displayed in our thoughts. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 5, look at these verses. this verse, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringeth into captivity captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now that word there, casting down what? Imaginations. Now that word imaginations, here's what it means. It's thoughts or fantasies against the truth of Christ or the revealed will of God. How many of you think that's not something that God wants in your life. God doesn't want those imaginations, those fantasies that are against the will of God. We've got to have disciplined thoughts before a wrong decision is ever made. Listen, opinions are formed in the heart. That's why it's important that we know and understand Proverbs 4.23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. If you're fantasizing about what could have been in your life, you're going to begin to justify the sin in your lives. And get, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a battle between the flesh and the spirit. That battle, that battle is going to be raging. See, Christian, can I, can I just admonish you tonight to guard your heart? As it says here in 1 Corinthians 10, 5, that we need to bring into captivity those thoughts that are not obedient to the will of God and that are not obedient to the word of God. So we see that temperance in the Bible, this fruit of the spirit, that it is something that that the Bible defines and it's something that ought to be displayed in our life with discipline. But then notice thirdly tonight, temperance developed. In other words, we, we know from the word of God our doctrine. But oftentimes what we do or what we fail to do is to be obedient to the Word of God. And I want to give you, as we close tonight, some scripturally-based principles. These are Bible-based principles to help us to develop this temperance, this fruit of temperance in our lives. Here's the first one. You might say, listen, Pastor, I struggle in this area about being in control, allowing the Spirit to direct me and to guide me. All right, well, here's, here's some biblical principles. The first one is that temperance is developed... As you admit your weakness, as you admit your weakness, James says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. He says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Now, look at the list there. Look at the order. Lust, what does it do? It produces sin and that produces death. Death is the result of lust, sin, death, whether it's physical death, whether it's emotional death, or whether it's spiritual death. That's that's what happens when we don't admit our weakness in our flesh. We want to take the path of least resistance. That's what we do many times. We need to avoid in our lives. Look, I think all of us, without even somebody telling us, we, need to, we know the people, we know the places, and we know the things that we ought to avoid, those things that are going to pull us away from God, that are temptations to us. Listen, every one of us know to avoid those things, but oftentimes because of the weakness, we don't avoid them. And we end up in trouble because we don't have this fruit of temperance. But it starts by developing and admitting your weakness. But then notice another thing is that we need to develop temperance as we forget our past. Forget your past. Look, you can't go back and change it. The past is in the past, as they say. And we think about this. uh, Philippians 3, I was thinking in verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Did you hear what Paul wrote there under inspiration? He says, look, I'm trying to forget the past. You know, I'm not real happy with it, not pleased with it. Listen, that's one thing you'll never hear me doing is glorifying the sin in my life. Oftentimes, I might make little indicators or, or use it as an illustration, but I don't dwell on it. I don't say, boy, I wish I could go back to Egypt. No, if we're going to have temperance in our lives, we've got to forget the past. You will never go very far in your Christian life if you're carrying the extra weight of your sin. You're never going to go that far. You know, A lot of athletes, what they do is they work out with weights, but then they set those weights aside. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to lay aside the weight that doth so easily beset us. That's what we've got to do. And once you lay those aside, then you can press toward the mark. That's what we've got to do is we've got to admit our weakness, and then we need to forget our past. Thirdly, when it comes to developing temperance, don't let your moods manipulate you. So many people are emotional. Listen, don't be emotionally driven. If you're a Christian, be driven by the word of God, by the truth. We get in trouble many times when we allow our emotions to get the best of us because all the times we're manipulated by our emotions. Look what it says in Titus 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, now watch this, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. See, you'll either be controlled in your life by the flesh or you're going to be controlled by the Spirit of God. The choice is yours. If you let your mood manipulate you, then you are going to have spiritual failures in your life. But if you allow the Spirit of God to direct you and the Spirit of God to guide you, then the Spirit will teach you to deny, as the Bible says there in Titus 2, to deny that which is, godly, uh, which is ungodly, which is selfish, the moods that would destroy uh, us as a Christian. So we have to understand that we need to not let our moods manipulate us. Let me give you another biblical principle that we need to develop temperance is believe God can bring change. Let me ask you tonight, how many of you believe that? Yeah, I hope you do. Because look, none of us have arrived. We're all a work in progress. And so God, I believe that God can bring change. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. You know, people say, well, listen, I did drugs when I was younger and all those chemicals, they fried my brain. Listen, do you know that that if somebody's lived that kind of life, I know people that God by His Holy Spirit has renewed their mind. I know people that that has happened. The Bible says we need to be renewed in our minds. Why? That we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Because God can bring change. Somebody said it this way, and I, I think I like the statement your beliefs will determine your behavior. What you believe. Do you believe God can bring change? Sure then it's going to change your behavior. It's going to change how you act. It is imperative that you believe that God can give you the victory. See, the reason so many people flounder around in their life, had no control, no discipline in their lives, they're always succumbing to those temptations in their life is because they don't believe that God can give the victory. Hey, listen, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. God's given us the victory, and it's vital that we recognize that God is all-powerful and that it is through Him, as it says in Romans chapter 12, that we can experience a transformation that is from the inside out. That's the way God works. You know what the world tries to do? It tries to transform people from the outside in. By the way, the world is very successful because what happens on the outside eventually Will affect what's on the inside. See, God's work begins in the heart and it manifests itself outwardly in our lives. Hey, does not the Bible say I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me? See, temperance is developed as we believe God can bring change. Notice another biblical principle. Temperance is developed as we become accountable. This is a good one for Christians. A lot of times, and even recently, I've told people that are struggling with things. Hey, listen, you're not alone. You're not you're not in this by yourself. See, that's the way the devil would have us to believe. Listen, it's it's just me. I'm sitting around. I have nobody that cares about me. Listen, that's that's one of the benefits and blessings about being a part of a church family, having brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. To be accountable to one another. Look in Ecclesiastes 4. If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. See, to become temperate in certain areas of our lives, understand it is wise to have a brother or sister in Christ that we can be accountable to. You know, listen, if you struggle day to day, here's an easy one reading your Bible. Ask a brother or sister to just keep you accountable. That might be a text today. Hey, did you read your Bible this morning? You know? Now listen, don't ask them to help you be accountable if you're not going to like it when they ask you. You know, I've had, I had somebody years ago, and he asked me to, to, to hold him accountable for something. I said, okay, are you sure you, yeah, I'm sure. And so I started, I started holding him accountable to something, and it wasn't me doing it. It was him asking me to do it. And I was doing it because I was a brother. I loved him. I cared about him. And he got angry with me. I said, wait a minute, you asked me to do this. You know, but listen, it's a good thing. It, it, accountability will help you gain victory over sin. Again, look at it. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Number, number, A letter F there. Temperance is developed as we avoid temptations. I talked a little bit about this. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Now listen, you can't get the devil credit for everything. Oftentimes it's just our flesh that's weak. But there are times where the devil's after us. You know, he was after Peter in his day. Somebody said, when you flee temptation, be sure you don't leave a forwarding address. Boy, we do that all the time. You know, hey, listen, I'm getting out of here, and we go over somewhere else, and then we we call the devil and tell him where we're at. Listen, don't leave a forwarding address. Uh, uh, The devil can take your, he, he can't take your salvation. I mean, you're secure if you are saved tonight, but what the devil can do is he can take your testimony. You know, he could try to destroy your life. He'll do everything he can to destroy you. Remember this saying, if you don't want rotten apples, stay out of the devil's orchard. You know, listen, you have no business being there. The best place for a Christian to avoid the thought or the place of temptation is the place, listen, it's easiest to avoid the, to suppress the first desire of something that it is, to allow it to go on and then decide later on down the road, I'm going to quit this. Just stop whenever the temptation comes. So we've got to avoid temptation. That's a biblical principle to develop temperance in our life. And then letter G, temperance is developed as we depend on God's power. Galatians 5, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would see we deal oftentimes in our lives all of us do we deal with thoughts and desires that are not of god and we must recognize that the flesh and the spirit they're in a battle and if the spirit's going to have victory then our minds have to be stayed on the word of god they have to be saturated with the word of god filled with the word of god we've got to turn to christ for strength for inner strength in our lives and the sooner that we admit in our lives that i need the holy spirit the sooner that he will strengthen us and he will encourage our weaknesses look at philippians 2 13. it is god which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure see god will put the right desires in our hearts And when God puts those desires in our hearts, you know what He's going to do? He's going to give us the power by which we can live according to His good pleasure. Now, it's more, listen, we're talking about having temperance in our lives. It's more than trying. Here's what it is. It's trusting. That's what it is. You have to trust God. The secret to self-control, it's giving Christ control. That means hand Him the keys. Allow Him to drive. Let Him have control in your life. It is asking the Lord to empower you by His Spirit so that you can be temperate in all things. You can experience victory over struggles, whether it's something in your past, whether it's something you're dealing with right now, whether it's something that you'll deal with in the days ahead. You can develop temperance in your thoughts, in your speech, and in your physical life. You can. With God's help, you can. You need to let the Spirit of God bring forth this fruit, this spiritual fruit of temperance in your life. Listen, while Roxy Wallace's preschool grandson was visiting, he got testy with her, and he started crying about the least little things that didn't go his way. On one such incident, it involved animal crackers. He wanted some more, but she refused to give in, so he burst into tears. In frustration, Roxy said to her grandson, she said, Sam, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. You cry over nothing. And he calmed down when she said that. He looked at his grandma, and here's what he said to her. You need to tell me to stop whining. In other words, he didn't have the ability on his own. He needed someone's help. Guess what you and I need? We need the Holy Spirit of God if we're ever going to have temperance in our lives. Because can I remind you tonight as we've looked at the other fruits, that they are called the fruits of the Spirit. So when we look at this one, we have to remember that the secret to self-control, here it is, the secret to temperance is giving Christ control. Allowing the Lord to have His way in your life. See, God wants us to have discretion. God wants us to have discipline in our lives. Self-control is a biblical principle. It's being controlled by the Lord Jesus, by the Holy Spirit of God. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for this study from the fruits of the Spirit. Lord, as I look back over these many weeks... I pray that it has helped these that have sat and listened as much as it's helped me. So many areas I fail you in my life, not allowing the Spirit to have control. Yet again tonight, we see this matter of having discipline in our lives, in our physical life, in our speech, our thoughts, many other areas. Lord, help us by your Spirit to be taught and to develop this matter of temperance, that our lives will be balanced and not out of control. We'll ask you to do this work in our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen.